Welcome to the Website Coach Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs and small business owners that want a winning website, one that attracts more visitors and helps them book more clients. I'm Marie Brown, a website designer and business strategist, and I'll be sharing simple and actionable tips to help you create a winning website. So let's get started. Hello, welcome to episode number 77 of the Wedge Podcast. And this week, I'm talking about what a website designer actually does. Yep, I think this one might be for my family because they really have no idea. (laughs) And many people assume people who build websites, like myself, spend all day writing code. And that might have been true 20 years ago. But the reality today is very different. So if we don't spend our time coding, what do we actually do? And that's exactly what I'm going to talk about in this episode. But let's just talk about coding first. So if you go back to 2011, around 76% of all websites were hand-coded. But by 2022, this figure had fallen to around 33%. That's a massive drop. So how are websites built if the majority are not hand-coded? Well, we use systems, specifically what's called content management systems. So things like WordPress, Squarespace, Wix, Shopify, etc. You might have heard of some of those. And without a content management system, you would have to alter the underlying code for every alteration to your website. So when you spotted a typo, or wanted to change your prices, offer a new service, or update your images, you would need to change the code. And that's not very user-friendly. And that's why content management systems and website builders, which use content management systems, have exploded. These are good tools. They build good websites. The likes of Mercedes-Benz, Sony Music, Beyonce, heard of her? Vogue and even The Sun's newspaper's websites are all built with WordPress. There really is no need to hand-code websites anymore. I'd love to say I never use code, but most websites I build have a tiny amount of additional code, which allows me to do things that I can't do with a website builder that I use out of the box, or where the code is just much more efficient. So it might be little things like changing the order of how things stack on a mobile device. I could rebuild that part just for mobile, or I could add in a couple of lines of code, which of course is much more efficient and makes the website load faster. So what do we do? Well, like any small business owner, there's a lot that we do that is unrelated to our day-to-day job. Things like marketing, admin, checking emails, accounts, finances. I might talk about these in another episode. Today, I'm concentrating on the website part of my work. And I'm going to talk you through a typical client project from when we start work. And of course, I work with several clients at any time. So my day is typically filled with lots of these different elements. And of course, each client project is different. There is never a dull moment. In fact, there's usually some crisis. (laughs) Hopefully my clients never see that. So the first thing is research. Your website is a marketing tool. I've said this many times before. It has a purpose. Its purpose is to bring in clients. So when someone who is a potential client lands on your website, and that's someone you can help with whatever they need. Not everybody who falls into your website will fall into that category. We're not trying to convert every single person, just the ones that really should be our clients. 
But those people, you want them to take the action that you want them to take. Be that buy now, book an appointment, schedule a call or whatever it might be. It's therefore crucially important that I understand your business from your client's point of view. What is going to make them take the action we want them to take? How can we make it easy for them to find the information they need to know to take that action? So what does that mean in practice? Well, I look at your existing website, if you've got one. I look at your social media or rather marketing. I look at your competitors. I'll think about if I were a potential client. And I'll map out a client journey, recognising that some potential clients who visit your website will know very little about you and need more information and persuading compared to others who might be ready to buy or take whatever action you want them to take straight away. Now, I can't do this in a vacuum. I'll ask you questions, either in in the sales call before we start work or another initial call. And I've got a questionnaire that all my clients complete before I start work, which helps me too. I actually think this is the most important part of my job. This is the bit that makes the most difference to getting your website right. I don't just dive straight in there. And I think that's one of the things that sets me apart from other website designers who may well have come from an IT background who don't have that business understanding necessarily. So once I've done that research, what next? Well, the next thing is website preparation. So sometimes a client will have an existing website and sometimes will be starting afresh with a new domain. And if the client has an existing website, we want to keep that in place while we build the new one. So I'll set up a temporary domain. And if their existing website is in WordPress, I'll transfer everything I think we might need to the temporary domain. So blog posts, images, forms, etc. And if the existing website is not in WordPress, I might not be able to transfer everything over. The likes of Wix in particular is notorious for not being able to transfer things over. But I can usually copy over images at least. And if it's a new website, I'll start by adding it to my hosting. That's assuming that the client is taking my hosting and maintenance package. This involves logging into where the domain was purchased or where their records sit, which might be different. And it involves changing some of their records. This can actually be one of the hardest and most stressful stages because some clients aren't sure where they actually bought their domain or what their login or password is. And that is much more common than you might think. And then we've got the dreaded two-factor authentication where, you know, they need a code and you've usually got less than 10 minutes to communicate between you. And I know two-factor authentication is great, but it's a pain for people like me. (laughs) Um, And the other issue with doing this is the setup of wherever those records are will be different to another system. So I do wish all of the different domain managers, so, you know, GoDaddy, Google, 123Reg, etc. I do wish they would use the same terminology and the same setup. It would make my job a lot easier. Sorry, rant over. (laughs) Once the website that I'm going to build on is set up, then I need to start adding key things. So I'll make sure everything is set to British English for a start. That's assuming it's a British website because I do have a few international clients. So that means time zones, dates, etc. I might also hide the website from search engines if we're using a temporary domain because we don't want them to find it. I'll set default fonts and colours if we have them. Then I will load images that I have been sent. Before I do, though, I will resize them. 
I often get sent very large image files. And large image files are one of the main causes of slow running websites. And I have talked about this on the podcast before. In fact, one of the very early podcast episodes was about how to speed up your website. I think it's about number eight. Um, so I do two, three things. First of all, I losslessly compress them using a tool like TinyPNG. Secondly, I will reduce the physical size of the image. And thirdly, I will translate it into a WebP file, as this is now the preferred format. I was doing this for a client this week, and I reduced one image from over 15 megabytes to 119 kilobytes. And the only difference in the before and after image on the website will be the time to load. You cannot visibly tell the difference. The process of resizing images and loading them onto a web website is really time consuming. And I must admit, it's not the most interesting work. One day I will get a VA to do this for me, but for now it's me. And I reckon it took me about two hours to do this for a client the other day, but it's really important. Okay, next thing is design, because the design is also incredibly important. I know I'm going to say lots of things are important in this episode, but design is certainly important. You need to love your website or you won't promote it. And a large part of that is the look and feel of your website. I want you to shout about your website from the rooftops. Seriously, though, you can't promote your own website enough. So have I told you about mine? It's beyondthekitchentable.co.uk. And if you're looking for a new website, you really should check it out. If you have branding colours and fonts, I will, of course, use those in the design. If you don't, then I will ask about colours and fonts. I'll also look at your other marketing. What do you use on social media? Because all of your marketing assets should have a similar look and feel. You don't want someone to go from your social media to your website and wonder if it's the same business. Again, I will think about your target audience. What appeals to them? And once I've done this design work, together with the research work that I did earlier on, I'll usually write myself a briefing that sets out what I think. I can then refer back to it during the build because I'm often working on several client websites at once and it's not always easy to remember. Once we start with the build, some website designers sketch out what's called a wireframe first, which is basically using you know, a static graphic to show the design. Some will sketch it out on paper and I have been known to do that. But usually I will just go straight in and start working on the temporary domain or a hidden page on the new domain. So I'll take the brief, the brand colors, if I've got them, fonts again, if I've got them, the draft copy and images, and this is where I get creative. I will look at other websites the client has told me they like and dislike, and indeed understand why, so that I can see the kind of things that are common to them and to get some ideas and to understand their style. And I basically play around with different layouts, tweaking until I'm broadly happy with the design concept. And then I will do another. Yes, I do two design concepts for every bespoke website client. And this design concept, putting it together, is quite hard to explain because it's definitely creative. But I do follow some pretty important design rules. So I make sure the content is easily readable. You'd be amazed at how many websites fall down on this. So that relates to the fonts, font sizes, line spacing, use of colors, and the color of font on a background color. So you want a decent contrast between the color of the font and the background color, but you don't want it to be stark as, for example, black on white 
um, because that's also quite harsh on the eye. You want to, I also break up text blocks using images, different backgrounds, headings, subheadings, etc. because that means that people will read on through the page. People scan pages and just seeing a whole block of text is really difficult to read and people don't basically. And then I make sure there's the right balance between text and images. And the right balance varies depending upon the type of business. So highly visual businesses are going to have more images. Make sure I put the images in the right place. So the most important image that says what you do effectively and gives the right impression that you want people to have is at the top of the home page. But I also make sure the image supports the text alongside. So an about bit should have an image of you, ideally. Ensuring the calls to action are in the right places and that they stand out. Now, I might play around with different colours and um, incorporating testimonials appropriately, so I'll often spread these out over a page as several together get ignored. And I might highlight part of the testimonial so it doesn't get glossed over. And basically, just making sure your personality and what you want visitors to feel comes across. It can be quite hard to explain. And while I show clients two design concepts, I may have been through 10 or more to get to those two. And it can be really hard to know when to stop tweaking. I'll often think, oh, I wonder whether it would look better if this font was a size smaller, for example, or what if I swap these two things around? Then it's off to the client. Feedback. So as I stated in a podcast from two weeks ago, questions to ask a website designer before you hire them, that's podcast episode number 75, a website is a collaborative effort and we need to take into account client feedback. So once I've received comments from a client, I'll go through them carefully. I might have a Zoom call if there's something we need to clarify, or if I think we're further apart than we should be at that stage. Ultimately, I want you as my client to love your new website, and it's got to get you clients. I'm not necessarily fixated on whether an image has round edges or square, so I'm happy to go with a client preference. Sometimes I might think a client is wrong though. Yes, it does happen. And I like always explain why I don't recommend that change. So, for example, making the logo bigger is a popular request I disagree with. I might make it a little bit bigger. I'm not quite that harsh. <laughs> but it doesn't serve your end client. They're not interested in your logo. The beautiful image at the top of the homepage is far more compelling. Although, if a client's insistent, I will give in. I will then make the changes, optimising the revised design for mobile as I go. And I'll also do things like firming up defaults. So if the design of the call to action button is agreed, then these will be saved as defaults. If the font is agreed, that will also be saved as a default. And I make sure all spacings are consistent. Yes, I have a touch of OCD about spacings. And I'll also ensure SEO best practices followed. For example, in terms of headings, you don't want more than one H1 on a page and you need to make sure that you cascade down the different forms of headings. Because it's more than just making the changes, this stage can take longer than you might expect. But what I'm doing here by putting in place those defaults is making the next stage of the build much quicker and easier. And once the design is agreed, then it's onto the full build. And the key with building the other pages is keeping everything consistent and making sure it looks right on different size screens. And that's why I've spent the time saving defaults, getting consistent spacing, etc. It means I can just use all of those elements in the full build. 
And for the full build, I do need the rest of the content from my clients, which brings me on to the next part of my role, which is guiding clients with their content. So some of my clients find it easy to write content for their website and write great copy. But many others struggle. Writing marketing copy for your website is quite different to the English you're taught at school. And I often find clients need help. They don't necessarily want to bring in a professional copywriter, but they do need some guidance. I'm always clear that copy is not my responsibility, but if I spot typos, spelling mistakes or grammatical errors, I will correct them for you. And I will provide guidance where I can. So I find part of my role is guiding clients with their website copy. What they need and what they don't. Marketing copy needs to be sharp and to the point, and it needs to be persuasive. Most people are too long-winded. I'll tell them, politely of course, (laughs) and I often suggest reordering things too. But at the end of the day, it's your website and your copy. The next thing is what I have technically called joining things up. So as part of a new website, clients will often want an email sign-up or maybe a contact form, a membership, online courses and or payment links. And there's a bit more to these than just adding the relevant form pages to the website. They usually have to speak to something else, like an email marketing system, like MailChimp, for example, or a payment mechanism like PayPal or Stripe. So integrating these is part of my role too. Sometimes it's really straightforward. Other times we're battling forgotten logins and passwords, two-factor authentication verification, unclear processes, and help desks and or tech gremlins. Tech gremlins affect me just as much as they they affect you. It's not all fun and games. And that's why website designers charge extra for this kind of functionality. So the next thing that I do is my favorite part of building a website and that's launching. And I do wish I had a big red button on my desk that I pressed to launch a new website. It would be so much fun, but the reality is more mundane. So if I'm building a brand new website and we've been working on the real domain, the launch is literally like flicking a switch. If we've been building on a temporary domain, we need to switch the hosting over and put the new website live. And there's quite a lot that can go wrong here as various different records need to be changed. And I must admit, it's part of my job that I see as necessary rather than enjoyable. Even after five years, I worry that something will go wrong. Fortunately, I have not had any horror stories. Then following the launch, I do some tidying up in the back end of the website and add the client as an administrator so they can access their own website, which is obviously very important. I'll do things like add Google Analytics if required and cookies policy where needed. Another part of my role as website designer is showing clients how to edit their own website. I'm a big believer in empowering clients to be able to update text and images and add blog posts. And it's not difficult to do. So I show all of my clients how to add images, edit text, change images, add blog posts, etc. on a Zoom call after the website has gone live. And I love this part. Most clients are so excited and thrilled with their website. And I tell them if they're on my maintenance plan, you really can't break your website because I take a backup every single night. You can see their relief. (laughs) And my job doesn't stop at putting websites live. I look after about 50 client websites that I've built. And this means checking every day for updates to WordPress, the theme I use and plugins, 
and deciding what to update. So security updates are carried out as soon as I can after becoming aware of them. But most updates are fixing bugs and or adding new features. And sometimes these can cause problems. So if I hear of conflicts, I'll hold off on those. And I'll often, I'll usually also hold off on major updates because these are usually quickly followed by more updates that fix the bugs introduced by the major update. Fortunately, backups are carried out automatically, so I don't have to worry about those. I pay to have those automated because it is important. And then I get a lot of emails from existing clients asking questions or wanting me to do additional work too. And of course, those who've broken something and want it fixing. Another element of my job is training. The world of websites changes rapidly. The whole world changes rapidly. I don't pretend to know everything anyway. And I certainly don't try to keep up to date with everything. That would be more than a full-time job. The key is to know what you need to be up to date with and also knowing how to Google. That's probably the most important website designer skill. But I do invest in learning. So as you probably know, I'm an avid podcast listener and I listen to a lot of website podcasts, learning a lot from those. I'll also invest in courses on specific areas that I know I need to improve. And I'm in a couple of website designer memberships. These are great because you can see what other people are asking too. You don't know what you don't know, as they say, which is why seeing what others are asking is really helpful. I've learned about issues like accessibility and some legal bits this way. So that's it. That's what I do. Do you still think website designers just write code? <laughs> There's a lot more to building websites than you might think. Yes, I do a little coding, but I also undertake research to understand a client's business so they get a website that gets some clients. Set up domains, copy over anything we want to keep from an existing website and resize images. I think about fonts, colours and other websites my clients like or don't like so I can understand the kind of style they will want. I put together initial website design concepts taking into account the research, design assets and website best practice. I listen to client feedback and revise designs. I help clients get their content right. I build out the website, making sure everything is consistent. I integrate their website with email marketing systems, payment mechanisms, etc. I launch websites. I teach clients how to add images and edit content. I maintain websites and I keep up to date with the latest website developments and training. That's quite a bit. And then, of course, I need to market my business, do admin, my accounts, etc. <laughs> yes, now you know what a website designer does all day. So I hope you found that episode useful um, and also interesting as well. So actually, I always find it interesting to understand what people actually do in their business. So hopefully you found that quite interesting. And that's it for this week. Have a great week. And I will be in your earbuds again next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow or subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review. That makes a massive difference as to whether Apple shows my podcasts more widely. And head over to my website, beyondthekitchentable.co.uk, where you can find all the ways you can work with me, whether you're just starting out, looking to grow your business or scaling it. And see you next week.